Welcome again, everyone, to Trail Tales. This is your host, Tom Funk. Thanks for joining me as I hike across Michigan's Upper Peninsula using as much of the North Country Trail I can find. This is an unpublished manuscript uh, that I call A Million Steps, and we have made our way to Alger County, basically at the doorstep of the Pitchard Rocks National Lakeshore. Uh, But today I'll be in the Hiawatha and the State Park trying to find my way through the woods. And it's the end of a long road walk. So I'm very happy to hit the trail. So let's do just that. Let's uh, put the boots on and head into the woods. Alger County was named for Richard Alger. He was the Michigan governor in 1885 to 1886. Only 9,000 people live in this county of 917 square miles. And again, it is home to the Pitchard Rocks National Lakeshore. Today's date, August 9th, 1998. I'm going to start at the Laughing Whitefish Falls, and I'm going to end at the Ah Train National Forest Campground. Uh, today, uh, 10 miles of official uh, miles, I guess, because we had to do some doubling back. Um, so 13 miles for the day. Official trip total, 250.8 miles. Bugs, well, they were noticeable today. Bug rating of 4 to 6. We put on the bug spray at one point. Weather, high of 88, low of 65, and uh, Marquette did set a record for that day at 87 degrees. All right, the trail condition, hey, trails and some gravel forest roads. The water wears the stones. Job 14, verse 19. The falls greet Sean and I, inviting us to take a walk in the woods. There's a spur trail we must take to the north to a T-intersection. To the left, the North Cut Trail brings you backwards in time through extensive forests westward. We sought to take a right turn eastward towards the Rock River Canyon wilderness and eventually Aw Train Lake, where we are camping. We'll walk to you uh, up to the intersection. How, How far is that? I don't want to overexert myself, says Sean, adjusting his fanny pack to his waist. Well, according to the map, it's about a mile and a half walk from here to where the trail splits. Uh, should take us 45 minutes, hour tops, I say, thinking to myself, I've heard this before. Like a neighbor inviting you over for cookies and milk, the falls were too tempting to turn down. So we gaze into its mystical beauty. Think about the Native Americans who have walked past this point in years past. Instead of exploring for the sake of subsistence, I will voyage into the woods to seek out peace and quiet. Our tiny indicator at the main trail leads us to the north away from the cedar-chipped, wood-lined, five-foot-wide trail. We have become foot soldiers canvassing through four-feet-high cut grass down trees and a trail laid down apparently by field mice. However, there are blue diamonds. A logging road leads us north about half a mile. On our right, we could see youthful trees, mostly beech and red maple. The blue diamonds tickle the trees about six feet off the ground. Addicted to these diamonds, Native Americans and explorers did not have these petroleum products to lead their way. 
a compass, and a belief in a final destination were their guide. We abruptly turn into a mature forest on a trail made for mice. Two men, walking gingerly, looking for diamonds, looking for the trail, searching themselves for answers. We are reasonably quiet and walking downhill. Here again I can feel the trees surrounding me, shielding me. They are listening to our brief conversations. <laughs> Probably laughing at our modern equipment, you know, Nalgene bottles, low alpine fanny packs, cameras. They have seen half-naked men running through these woods. We may not feel like strangers, but to the trees, we definitely are. Where the heck is this intersection, I say to Sean. I don't know, I didn't make it that far, he says, slogging through some wet soil. It's a little swampy here. I think it, it's just around the corner, he says. Well, around the corner, a waterfall. A small stream with enough mustard to force about one gallon a second over some sandstone 30 or so feet to the ground below. Is this a waterfall? Well, in the springtime, it appears this area would have more water flowing over its delicate edge. It's in a horseshoe shape, and the lip of the falls extends 50 or so feet on either side of this so-called waterfall. At the bottom, rocks, boulders, and chunks of sandstone lead the way down a steep hill. Waterfall. Well, that's an interesting word. I do not recall this waterfall in my Waterfalls of Michigan book. I wonder if it meets their definition. Well, my definition is what matters here. Water falling. There is water, and it is undeniably falling. It may not be from a permanent stream, but, my, but in my eyes, definitely a waterfall. Continue our walk through a forest with a thick blanket of undecomposed leaves, underneath our feet, and multitudes of decomposers are working as fast as they can uh, before another cover of freshly fallen organic matter covers their efforts. There are multitudes of tree species, yellow birch, beech, red maple, sugar maple, balsam fir, and an occasional pine. Looking at my compass, we continue to head in a northerly direction. Looking at my timekeeping device, we have been at it for over an hour. I think we may have missed our turn, I say to Sean. Really? Sean says, as if he already knew this. We should cross the river at the base of Laughing Whitefish Lake, but we have to find the intersection first. So are we lost? He asks. No, I have a feeling that we've just missed our intersection, I say, pointing to the map while he looks over my shoulder. And, and we're heading north, uh, which is westbound on the North Country Trail. We need to be heading east, so... We were supposed to walk north and then take a right turn and head east, and we are still walking north. What should we do, he asks. Well, why don't we walk for another 15, 20 minutes. If we cannot find the intersection, we'll turn around, double back, and see if we can find it. Sean agrees, and we continue to follow the diamonds through the forest. On our right is a sharp drop down into a valley, and that's where the, we should be going. However, we're not, but we're pretty sure that's where the lake is. Fifteen minutes pass, and we turn around. I don't think the natives ever did this. We see our unnamed falls, hoof it through the quagmire, back up to the old logging road, and walk back through the cut grass to the car, and we never saw the intersection. I could hear the trees snickering at us all the way. Now what? Sean asks. Well, why don't you drive me around to the other side, take me in as deep as possible into the woods using forest roads, uh, drop me off, and then I'll walk back and I'll cover this segment at some other day. 
We hopped into his Honda, and positive the natives and explorers never did this. I feel like I'm such a lazy hiker. I pull out an old county map of Alger County. I think my dad ordered this back in the 1970s. The date on the map? 1974. I wonder if these roads even exist anymore. We head back to 94. We drive east through Eben Junction, Chatham, Forest Lake before heading north on Forest Highway 2278. The road is paved, but our next road bringing us back west right where I need to go is Forest Highway 2276. Starts out as a decent gravel road, and after crossing Rock River Road, it becomes a cobbled two-track thrusting into uh, what is going to become a wilderness area, the Rock River Wilderness. And take note, roads are not allowed in wilderness areas. Well, we eventually come to a dead end, and we look at a map, and it's about two miles from where uh, we lost our spot in the woods. Since we've walked at least three miles, I don't feel all that guilty about this change in plans. I get out of the car. Sean says, I gotta take a shit. Not having a shovel with him, he takes an axe. My goodness. (laughs) Um, I guess guess you'll be passing me shortly, I say. Eh, Maybe a while, he says, and he lumbers off into the woods. As he goes, he walks past several very large rocks. In between one, I see a Carsonite post with a wilderness area sticker on it. I also see my blue diamonds. So I'm back on track after my change of plans, and I realize I am on the edge of the Rock River Canyon Wilderness, which is about 5,500 acres in size. And it is located along the Rock River, and it has two canyons 150 feet deep, and they're carved out by the Rock River and the waterfall. Uh, the waterfall is about half a mile in on an old logging road. Rumor has it that it cascades over a sandstone ledge, just like our unnamed falls. So I start walking. Clang, clang, clang. Well, there's a sound I haven't heard in a while. A sound I have heard all too often in the past week is a motor vehicle, which is coming up behind me. Of course, it's just Sean. See you around six. If I'm not there, come and find me. Okay, he says, and away he goes. It's pea soup humid, and I notice the bugs coming out of the weeds. Pulling out my citronella, I froth it on my exposed skins, preventing myself from becoming a bug buffet. Standing, I'm looking at the trees. It is still. It is very still. I think that's silence. That's something I haven't heard in quite a while. Silence. Captivating this moment, the bugs are mere specks of black light. I do not hear them. Surrounded by the soothing calm provided by the omnipresent forest. I take a yawning lungful of air, and I embrace it for an instant, then exhale. Silence seems so natural. It takes over my senses and becomes an entity all to its own. The silence, well, it dominates. Silence permeates into my well-being. I now feel so free and clear. Is this a delusion? Am I hallucinating? I think about other silent places. Liberated of cars, planes, trains, city lights, boats, or any human-made noise. The only place I have been where this has existed is Isle Royale National Park. I remember the night sky being so clear and vivid, even the darkness. The darkness seemed so pure 
not being bastardized by some idiot's mercury vapor light. To some, silence is oppressive, just as is darkness to them. Associated with evil, the devil if you will, I find this ironic. When you are all alone in an area with few or no humans, the darkness is what comforts your soul. You are away from the evils of humanity, and it is the light that is evil, if you will. Go out into the country about 30 miles from a big city. On a clear night, look towards the horizon, back towards the city. See that glow? That is the evils of man's activities upsetting the purity of the darkness. Before I realized it, I was walking and meditating with the trees. I don't think they're making fun of me right now. I'm enjoying their company, and they appreciate my recognition of the silence they provide. Cack, cack! I hear some fluttering in the trees. It sounds so loud. Everything sounds loud right now. Heck, it sounded like a lumbering, bumbling bear at first, but there are two vireos scolding me. Sitting on the end of a branch, a male and a female vireo. They're probably Philadelphia vireos based on the colors and locations of stripes, but to be sure, I make a sketch. Gazing into the trees with my binoculars, I want to discover the nest. They are still scolding me about 20 feet away. I must be near their nest, but they are such masters of illusion that uh, I cannot find it. Not to want to wear themselves out, I leave out of respect for them and their perilous existence. The road goes from cobbles to rough gravel before I reach Rock River Road. Rock River Road crosses the Rock River about 100 yards to the south, and then I hop back on 2276. The blue diamonds have disappeared while I've walked this road. I do see an occasional blue dot on a, on a tree, and I do see one on the guardrail in the distance, and there's a blue diamond on a wooden post holding a stop sign on 2276 leading towards a train. Obviously, the North Country Trail is not well marked in this area. I decided to take a break under the bridge, out of the sun, and near the cool running water. Gingerly placing my butt on the cobbles holding the underpinning of the bridge, I take a seat to enjoy the running water. This massive structure holding the bridge does not take away the soothing sounds of the creek, but cars, well, when they cross the creek, they break up the silence. I hear the occasional car cross the bridge, which essentially prevents me from taking a nap. One car stops on the bridge. Well, I better check it out. Tom, are you down there? Asks a familiar voice. Yeah, just taking a break, I say, back to the voice, which does belong to Sean. How's your walk going? Well, my feet are killing me, but what else is new? Funny, my feet did not hurt at all walking earlier. Silence. Soothing and painless. He takes off again, and I start to lumber towards Ah Train Lake. No blue diamonds, but orange ones. Well, these are marking a snowmobile trail to various points. Deerton, Ah Train, Munising, Chatham, to name a few. So I continue to meditate until I reach Forest Highway 2278, the paved road that leads me from M94 to Ah Train. I see a post with North Country Trail. I check it out, and the trail is not even on the ground. There isn't a tread at all. So I decide to take the remaining one and a half miles by road. Reaching the campground requires an extra effort. I'm tired. My feet feel the pain of walking in shoes. Three times size is too small. 
And passing Sean, leaving the campground, going to get papers and junk food, he has a nine-mile trip round trip to Autrain and back, where I only have three-quarters of a mile. Takes him 30 minutes, that trip, it would take me four hours. We humans really do take the internal combustion wheelchair for granted. Wait until fossil fuels run low. Arriving at the campground, I labor towards our site. I require a shower. I smell like an old dog's blanket that's been in the doghouse for a month. I feel like a flaccid piece of spaghetti. I look like hell. A perfect time to walk to the public beach and freak out the tourists. So I do. There's a small family enjoying each other in the lake. A husband, wife, mother-in-law, and three children. There are two swimming areas separated by a spit of sand jabbing its way into the lake. I arrive and walk to the lake only wearing my shorts, carrying my towel and soap. Gonna wash the old-fashioned way. For those of you still passing judgment about me using soap and water, the family that was swimming in the lake, sand, soap and water, well, let's just say they were less than hygienic. I think I had to worry more about my health than they had to worry about me using soap, which is, again, biodegradable. Out of courtesy, I moved to the swimming area that is not being used and lather up. Of course, I am the freak show. However, I cannot hear them since my ears are full of soap. Walking back to the camp after bathing, I find Sean cooking up a mean batch of sausage, eggs, and mashed potatoes. This will be our last night together. We met on a forest road in the Sturgeon Gorge Wilderness, and he has helped me along to awe train some 95 miles away. These were 95 hard, tough miles. It was only today where I find myself on track to walking the North Country Trail and having ample camping opportunities. I'm very grateful for his service, especially the beer. Now, we're drinking a Chimay Red, and we celebrate the Belgians' ability to make beer. Repackaging my backpack for the next seven or so days, my next drop will be in Munising. However, the vast majority of these supplies will be mailed back. I have to stop by the post office in two days to pick it up. Then, the next resupply will be in Grand Marais, some 50 miles away. Discussing how opportune I am to have decent weather, it leads me to leaving my sleeping bag with him when he leaves tomorrow. I will have my Gore-Tex bag and plenty of clothes to keep me warm. I don't think it's been below 55 degrees since I started my trip. I will take this chance to shave five pounds off my pack. Drinking, watching the fire, and discussing, we talk about everything from the free market politics to religion. We are usually preaching to the choir when discussing politics to each other. To liven up our evening, we even had a boisterous thunderstorm roll in only to rain heavily for a short period, enough to put out our fire. Tomorrow, I will be on my own. It may be a while before I see another friend, possibly Tuamanan Falls. And that seems so far away. I did send a postcard to my cousin Jeff Funk to guilt trip into him visiting. I plan on placing a call to him tomorrow after talking to Don. All right. And for the record, uh, the trail intersection we missed, I contacted the North Country Trail Association after my hike, um, and I got word back that the sign at the intersection had been vandalized and not replaced, and only a keen eye 
but have seen the diamonds leading me back to the east. And, of course, the sign since has been fixed. Um, you know, keep in mind, this trail was barely used back in the day. It's not like it is today, where there's a, a great amount of traffic, albeit, you know, some of these you know wilder areas maybe not as much. But there's certainly more traffic in it today, and there's definitely more trail maintenance uh, than uh, what I was used to. Um, uh, back in the day, when I was hiking, typically the public land agencies did most of the maintenance. And the local chapters, um, you know, depending on their level of activity, would help out. Or today, it's mostly the local chapters that do the uh, uh, trail maintenance. So, much better shape than it was, uh, you know, 20-some-odd years ago. All right, well, thank you very much for listening. This is Tom Funk with Trail Tales and uh, another episode of my Million Steps Across the Upper Peninsula. Uh, let's do this again, and thanks for joining me. See you later.